handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and crunching numbers in the back, Stat Matt. This past week in sports, everyone, the Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs unexpectedly passed away at the age of 27. MLB All-Star rosters were announced. Yankees and Red Sox play first-ever MLB games in London, combining for 50 runs in the two-game series. U.S. Women's National Team moves on to the Women's World Cup Final versus the Netherlands. The biggest tennis tournament of the year, Wimbledon, kicked off earlier this week. Here's a fact straight at you. Coming off of an Achilles injury, players on average will be 8% less efficient. But if Katie is 8% less, less efficient, he is still just as productive as Paul George was last season as he finished third in MVP voting. When Katie returns, will the Nets be the instant favorites in the uh, East? Look, on paper, you probably want to say yes. You get two of the top you know, 15, 20 players in the league on your same team when Katie comes back. You're going to want to say yes and win the title. I just, for a whole bunch of reasons, don't see Katie and Kyrie being those guys to lead a team to the franchise. Well, I, I do think they'll be the instant favorites in the East, right? The instant shock favorites value of is it. different. Right. Favorites get, is different. The word favorites DeAndre is different. DeAndre Jordan as well. Both Kyrie and Katie, actually, I didn't know there was such good friends with DJ. They took less money to make sure that he got 10 mil a year. They're going to have a complete team. They, like, I think this is, and when you look like big picture, yeah. This is the right way to go about New York basketball. The wrong way is what the Knicks did. Is what the Knicks did. Uh, not even with their signings. I'm just so sick of that franchise trying to bail themselves out just solely based on the fact. Oh, we're, we're a New the York. Knicks. We're the Knicks. Yeah, we're from New York. Yeah, now you have another team from New York that holds you accountable for when your owner James Dolan does some dumb shit, like not offering Kevin, not even offering Kevin Durant. The max, the max contract. That, I think, was a little bit of damage control. Like, just like, oh, well, like, there's a reason he didn't come here. No, KD, I think, came out and said, or his agent put it out there, that that had nothing to do with why he didn't go there. He right. just didn't want to be well, on he didn't the want to, He didn't want to go there by himself. That's the report right. that came out, that he wasn't going to go there unless he had a running mate. So... He chose to go where his running mate went, and that was Brooklyn. Yeah, and well, so now they say, oh, well, we're Steve Mills, president of basketball operations, came out and said, oh, well, we know you're upset, but we're building for the future. Do you know how long they've been doing? They did this. If you think back to 2012 when LeBron was a free agent, they were saying, oh, it's okay that we've sucked. It's okay that Amari and Carmelo couldn't get it done. <laughs> or we, we got, uh, actually, Carmelo, that, that hadn't happened yet. And they got... Carmelo and Amari in response to that and overpaid for Carmelo, never won anything with him. And now they're doing this same exact thing with Giannis in 2021. All the little two-year contracts that they're doing mm -hmm. with Wayne Ellington and with um, with Julius Randle actually got a three-year deal. But there's a couple other mid-level type guys who got two-year deals. They're looking for Giannis. And I got bad news for you, New York. Giannis He's not leaving. Giannis, Giannis ain't going there. Here's... I'm a my 30. I'm going to take a 30. Here's here is exactly why I think the Nets will not win a championship with KD and Kyrie at the helm. Both of them want to be the man on the court, right? They both want to be the biggest contributor to a team, to a to a championship run on the court. But neither of them want that responsibility of being the man of a franchise off the court when the buzzer stops. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like 
if you want to take if you want to lead a championship team, you got to do like what what LeBron does. If your team doesn't play well, guess who that falls on? Comes back to you. You know what I mean? You yeah. blow a lead, guess who that falls on? You have locker room turmoil, buddy. Guess who that falls on? Especially when you're the source when of the you're, problem. When when you are the biggest person on the team, not only is that fall on you, but then your team, your coaches, your franchise, your organization, your fan base looks to you and says, not only is it your problem, it's also your job to fix. What are right. you going what are you going to do about it? And both of those guys They're not built like that. No, Neither of them no, are built like they've that. They've been malcontents everywhere they went. And they both were in that same scenario where they went to a place or were in a place, failed the, it was looked upon them to fix it or to right the ship, and they both left. KD had the champions, the 73-9 and nine champions, up 3-1, lost it, and the Thunder organization went to KD and said, that's fine. You played well and we lost. What are you going to do about it? How right. are you going to fix this, and Kevin Durant? It. And he left. Kyrie didn't want to be under LeBron's tutelage anymore, so he went to Boston to lead a bunch of young players. Couldn't get it done. <laughs> so they said, Kyrie, what are you going to do about it? And man's jump shipped again. <laughs> he said, I'll show you what I'm going to do I about believe. it. I mean, look, off the court, they're going to have some problems. Like, I just don't there, – there's no way around that. There will be something – even with the Warriors, they were the yeah. best team ever, and Kevin Durant and Draymond still found things to heads. fight about. So – but. And who's who's who like those are your two most veteran guys and besides DJ and DJ's no like you know right no you know person to keep a ship steering on its right course in the locker room who's your vet now who's your vet I don't I mean right it, it really does come down to those two guys being able to coexist and being able to make it work but on the court I think they do have a pretty exciting Obviously. team once Kevin Durant comes back you have your guards of Kyrie, Karis LeVert, uh, Dinwiddie, mm -hmm. and then you look, you got KD, Ronda Hollis Jefferson, DJ, Jarrett Allen. Like, they're a deep team. I think Hollis Jefferson might still be a free agent. I don't know, right. if, he, I don't know so if he went we'll back see. there yet, where he goes. But look, and, and you made the point before we went on air that KD's game has never been predicated on explosiveness, right? He's always been kind of a finesse player, plays below the rim most of the time when he has to. So blowing out his Achilles may not hinder him like too too much but um it's it, I, I can't expect i've never seen anyone tear their achilles especially snap it the way kd did in that gruesome way and come back and be the same player so if he's not then now he was afraid of being second fiddle you know on the warriors now you're gonna take a whole year off let Kyrie get all of this under his belt and then try to come back guess what buddy you're gonna be second fiddle again right well and just in the interim before he does come back where do you see them finishing uh and this season before yeah, this season. i see them about around maybe 40 to 45 wins mm -hmm. probably around the same that they did last year five six seed in the east right. which if you're if you don't have one of your best players one of the best players in the league then that's probably okay for you like you 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 will take that knowing that when we get kevin durant back you probably can tack on another 10 to 15 to 20 wins right and so that is the net side of things but the Warriors also made an interesting move as well, uh, sending in a sign-and-trade Kevin Durant to the Nets and in return got D'Angelo Russell. I think they also sent a first-round pick mm -hmm. to the Nets, but this this hit me out of nowhere. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, I don't think really fits in. I, I don't know what what do you make of it? I mean, I don't I don't think he really fits in either, but to that same breath, the Warriors aren't planning on keeping him for an extended period of time. Which is hilarious that right, they signed a man to a max with the intention of flipping him and losing him. But 
of all this free agent buzz, I think what the Warriors did kind of gets lost. I think they had a really underrated and really low-key good free agency. Mm -hmm. Instead of just losing Kevin Durant outright, it was kind of, you could probably tell that Kevin Durant was had one foot in and one foot out. He wanted to leave. Right, yeah, so I instead of just letting that. him walk, you get a sign and training, you get something for him to now have a placeholder for Klay Thompson's time of being out. And also you give D'Angelo Russell a chance to display his skills on a good team, and then when you're ready to trade him, he has all this value to trade him for. People are actually want D'Angelo Russell. Right, and another move that they made that I think you're alluding to, Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, they got in, and also Kevon Looney on like three years, really cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, losing, I mean, they were facing with losing Looney and Cousins, their big depth would have been shot, but uh, Cauley-Stein's a guy who... I really like, especially on this team, mm -hmm. um, he's a force on defense, and then he can attack the rim um, and get a lot of putbacks, yeah. stuff like that, which we saw JaVale McGee do with a lot of success with the high Warriors. He's, he's like a bigger Jordan he's, Bell, high he's, energy. He's guy. a better uh, JaVale McGee to that point, but uh, to make room for that, they had to move Andre Iguodala to Memphis for a protected first. Mm -hmm. There's some rumors going around Iggy might end up in LA we'll see we're still as we're recording waiting to see what Kawhi does so all these uh pieces ready to fall once Kawhi makes his move but uh yeah b big move right there I mean are the Warriors too small now when you lose Iggy because Iggy was a really under let that one is maybe the glue that held the Warriors together you lose that and then you lose size and the ability to guard all five positions basically on the floor are the Warriors too small now right you lose Iggy KD now like you're faced with running if they keep him like in the playoffs you're thinking you have three guards in curry thompson d low and then i guess draymond and Cauley stein i could see steve curry is very good at game planning so i can see him doing at the end of games an offensive defensive substitution put willie Cauley stein or kevon looney into the game on defense and then you know, another savage to play, put D'Lo back in on offense, because that does create a little bit of matchup problems on the other right. end. When you Because now you, again, surrounded Draymond Green with three shooters on the and floor. my instinct says the Warriors will make this work. Like, look, this yeah. is this is the team that really invented the big three-point rush. Mm -hmm. um, now all the teams are doing and it. And their biggest stars, until Kevin Durant came in, their biggest stars are always willing to make room for another star. Right. Curry and, and Clay have always made room for someone who wants to come in and be special. Harrison Barnes, Iggy, Kevin Durant. They have no problem letting D'Lo shine when D'Lo shines. And if D'Lo can integrate himself in that three-point barrage that in the, is in the Warriors' offense, then I think they can shine. They can do something special. Yeah, and if you look at the numbers, when you add D'Lo to Thompson and Curry, their three-pointers attempted per game last year is 27.2 per game between That's the insane. three of them. That's it is more then four teams in the NBA had per game, the Bulls, Clippers, Pacers, and Spurs, three of them being playoff teams. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they, they just make it work. They have a system predicated, and they're smart enough to not go and get a person who they can't integrate into their system. They're just a really good, they're a really good organization. I hate them. I hate them. But they're a good organization. <laughs> and, well, before we move on, who we mentioned that Mark Stein reported that uh, he might be moved by the rules. He can't be moved until December. If you're the Warriors, who are you looking for that could possibly be a movable piece that you could trade for D'Angelo Russell? I mean, you got to go get somebody with length, right? You got to right. go get somebody who's length and who's predicated on the defensive end because you got to get someone who can fill all the shoot all the holes that Iggy leaves. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really have another, a specific player in mind, but you know, maybe you know someone who 
um, didn't just sign a huge contract. Like I thought they were going to target Harrison Barnes in the offseason to put him that'd right be, back. That'd be, a trip. That'd, be, that'd be funny to put him right back in that role. But somebody like that, a good wing, a long wing defender who can replace what Iggy did. And what they can also do is go and refill their depth with maybe just a bunch of guys mm-hmm. who, you know, three, four guys, some picks or whatever That's what the they deal do. may they, be. They retool. When they go right. to championship run, they just recycle who are going to be our good role players this year. Yeah, absolutely. Right, guys, I totally agree. I think it was real bizarre how the Warriors ended up going small on their pick. Uh, speaking on the opposite end of it, after the Sixers offseason moves, the smallest wingspan on their roster is now Zaire Smith with a t- 6'10 wingspan. While the finished product still remains anonymous for the Sixers, they still do have some solid pieces in place already. Charles Barkley even said himself this week that the team to beat in the NBA are now the Sixers since they've acquired uh, their new heads, Al Horford and Josh Richardson. What do you guys think? Are the Sixers poised to become the best defensive team in the NBA season? All right, buddy, get, go ahead. Yes. Take, take this yes. away. The take answer this is away. yes. Because I know he like got like two little lactation stains oh, on the show while she was Let me tell that. you, I, I actually made a bet with uh, my boss and my new Philly, Kyrie Terrell. I was that, there. I witnessed that. That they would win more games than they did last year. Whatever, uh, you man. can book that, okay? I love, as a Sixers fan, objectively, I love what they did. You can't put objectively right, it was in comma, that sentence. And objectively, okay. both both ways, I love what they did. If you now look at their lineup, mm-hmm. especially come playoff time, the the one flaw throughout the years was that JJ Redick would get picked on, and they would switch right. whatever they don't have, ball. They don't, have they don't have that anymore. I mean, Josh Richardson is a guy who no, he's not Jimmy Butler. I'm not going to try and compare him to Jimmy Butler, but he did produce somewhat similar type numbers last year: sixteen point six points, four point one rebounds 3.6 assists um again he's not on as talented of a team and not in the same role but like that will help him because i think a lot of his inefficiency that came with the heat was the heat not having a go-to guy on offense not having someone who can who control the ball like he was the the main man on offense sometimes he relying on him a little too much now he's on a, a team where he is the fourth maybe fifth option on offense sometimes yeah, and again i think before we get too far into it, i think it should be said that the only reason he's on the team of course Jimmy Butler denying the five-year max, saying mm-hmm. that he wants to go to Miami. If you remember back when he was on Minnesota, this was always a want for him. One of the first teams that when the rumbling started, he wanted out of Minnesota, is he wanted to be go down to Miami, play for them. Now he gets that opportunity. Um, and don't forget 75-degree weather all the time. Oh, uh, 75-degree weather. That's a great clip if you've seen it online. <laughs> Tobias Harris is like, dude, what? after the game, he's like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, but... So now you add him, and then, of course, Al Horford on four years, $109 million. Uh, He is someone who is a Sixers killer on the Celtics. He was the one guy who, if you look at all the Celtics blogs, they really, they're like, look, Al served his time. He deserves more money. Just please don't go to the Sixers. And he ends up on the Sixers now. He can make the Sixers the biggest lineup in the league with him at the four, mm-hmm. and he can mentor and beat. And look, the, the Sixers' biggest clip was they were minus 123 when Embiid went off the floor. Um, and this year, when Embiid does go off the floor, you slide Al Horford to that five, and now you don't have as big of a gap on offense, and hopefully you don't go minus 123 when your best player's <laughs> off the floor. Al Horford doesn't let you do that. Al Horford is so efficient on offense and plays such a good role that he'll be able to fix that hole. Last year, you had to put in Amir Johnson or Boba Marjanovic, now you put in someone who's always been steady. Al Horford has never been anything less than steady his entire career, and he not only brings that to Philly. Right, if you look around, I mean, steady, he's been great. With Atlanta, They he did exactly what they needed him to do, playing off of Paul Millsap in the post. He was a great leader for them. Boston, same thing. Last year, he was their best player on-off split during the playoffs. So it's like a two-way effect, like we said. 
Boston loses a great piece and then Philly gains that exact piece. Um, and now he was the only guy who I think could stop Joel Embiid. You look around the league, I don't know who else I mean, in the of East course, can do but, it. But Jake, of course they got better defensively on the interior. Of course they did. I still have worries about them guarding the opposition's guards. Perimeter defense was the Sixers one of the Sixers' biggest Achilles heel last year, and I don't see how the addition of just Josh Richardson helps that because now you're going to have to put either Josh Richardson or Ben Simmons on someone's best player in crunch, best guard in crunch time, or you bring Matisse Tybel off the bench to do it, and now you got to deal with him on the offense. Yeah, but you end. still have the same problem with JJ Redick, right? Because JJ yeah. is going to. <laughs> It That's what I'm really... saying, but how did it upgrade? How right. did it upgrade? Well, because Richardson is a better defender, and now you have Simmons, who is going to be in the front court all, or in the back court, always guarding a guard. Um, and you have Harris, who we have not mentioned yet. Harris, uh, Tobias Harris resigned five years, $180 million. Some of that money he took off the top. He probably could have gotten the max, but uh, decided not to go for it and gave the team a little bit extra money to work with. To sign Al Horford, uh, you know what? It, it might be a little bit of an issue. But we'll have to see how Richardson fits into the team. I think he's going to fit in very well. I mean, look, he he brings a better you know better stability on defense than JJ Reddick, but he wasn't always guarding the best player um, when he was on the Miami Heat. Like Jimmy Butler was always guarding the best guard on the Sixers. So now you're gonna if you put Josh Richardson in that role, you're asking him to go up against the Kyrie Irvings, the Kemba Walkers, the Steph Currys, the Russell Westbrooks for more time than he's ever used to doing, which may also hinder him on the offensive end. When you expend that much time on defense, that hurts you on offense again. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, Jake, they'll probably be good on defense, but with JJ Reddick leaving for New Orleans, will the Sixers really even be good enough at three-point shooting? I know uh, that's been a lot on Sports Talk Radio this week. Like, who's going to step up and take over now? That's a that's a very interesting question, Jewel, and I'm going to sit back and what, let Jake try so to answer this question. I did the numbers. I crunched the numbers. Last year, if you take the starting five for the Sixers, they averaged, uh, their, their combined three-point average was 34.7% per game. Uh, the new lineup is actually worse than that, 32.9% when you take out Redick and Butler and you add in Al Horford and Jay Rich. You offer a great start. However, if you look at the last time Tobias Harris was in a, I'm not going to say ball dominant, but a scoring role, a role where he's going to have the ball in his hands, he can dribble, he can get into a rhythm, he can create his own offense. He was not able to do that last year with Jimmy Butler kind of being in that role. Tobias Harris is going to be that guy this year. And when Tobias Harris was in that role, he shot 44%, which would put, if you factor mm -hmm. that in, that actually puts him at a better average than last year at 35 Well, let me ask you this. Is Tobias Harris the first option on offense? Uh, I mean, look, in terms that of all never around, a yes. yes. That is never a yes. I that mean, is Joel Embiid's yes. not going to be shooting a ton of jump shots. That is never a for, yes. For jump shooting, he is the, he's the number one jump shooter on the team. Of, by default, of course, by default. The number one option on offense, will the offense run through Tobias Harris? No, will not always. Be, will he be the second option on offense? Yes, in, yes, in certain lines, yes, yes. He will be. You're going to pick over Horford, yeah. You, you want over, or Ben Simmons, you're going to, you want him, you want him uh, Ben Simmons, I look at, at ben this point, Ben Simmons, they're committing to him being a facilitating, like, look, I want him to shoot. But Ben Simmons isn't going to give you a jump shot probably this year, at least a good one. So that being considered, you're going to need a guy just like Jimmy Butler did last year who commands the ball, even late in games where you can't really go down into the post. We talk about that last-second shot. Who do you want taking it? 
Tobias Harris is probably that guy for better or for worse this year. Yeah, I mean, look, and where Ben Simmons will take over is in the full court, always does that, but we're focusing more in the half court because that's where the, the Sixers need to improve and get better. Ben Simmons is a force in the full court. He's 6'10", damn near 7 feet, and can dribble and pass like magic, so we get that. He's, he's great in the full court. I never had any... You know, any any grievances with Ben Simmons in the full court. It all comes in the half court. But, look, Josh Richardson only shot about 35% from threes last season, but jumped up to 38% on spot-up three-pointers, which probably he's going to be shooting a lot of. He's probably going to be a lot of kick-out threes, maybe either off of drives or off of offensive rebounds, and he's just got to hit the hit the shot when it comes to him. That's something Tobias Harris didn't do in the playoffs. Right, well, and yeah, like you said, they kind of stuck him in almost like a Rocco Robert Covington type role when Robert Covington was on the Sixers, just spot up three point shooter. Missed but that guy. It, it 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 does beg mentioning that Tobias Harris's last game as a Clipper, he hit a buzzer beater. Sure. So I mean, look, he he's clearly you're good taking the, out. You're going back a whole NBA season. Now. Well, I mean, if we're if we're gonna compare ha, the last half, time he was in that in that role, yeah. right? But he wasn't nearly as good shooting. I expect he'll be better. But uh, just to cap it off, I think Jimmy Butler gets what he wants. He goes to the Heat. The Heat have to trade Hassan Whiteside and a few other pieces to make room for him. But, look, they give him the max. He's going to be happy down there. They finally get to build the team around him. He's that type of guy. It's what he wanted. And he doesn't have to contend with anybody. There's nobody there. But even in every place he went, there was somebody else there that maybe he had to contend with. When he went to Minnesota, he had to probably contend with Cat. Mm-hmm. When he went to Philly, he had to contend with Joel and Ben Simmons. And he only became the guy in Philadelphia by default. When Embiid was sick and Ben Simmons went very efficient, then he said, Jimmy, please save us. Please. And then he said, oh, now you want me to be the guy. Now you, I'm third option, but now you want me to be the guy. I don't, he didn't want anybody sloppy seconds or sloppy thirds. That's okay. Now, now he gets what he wants. And I do think Pat Riley pulled some, like, mafia stuff and really swooned him and got him in there. Like, I, I want to know what Pat Riley's well, He's a straightforward type guy, right? right? I mean, like you said, he has that slick back, like just like straight shooter type look, and that's who Jimmy is. I mean, he's he's a guy who is a personality for sure. Yeah. Um, and Pat Riley, I'm sure, did a great job on selling him uh, at Miami. But you know, it, Stat Matt Stat Matt jumped in our script just now and said, "Enjoy the seventh yeah, seed. Enjoy the seventh seed. Jimmy enjoy Butler. all the blow that goes on down there, Jimmy Butler. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun um, Jimmy, losing in the playoffs. I'm not against you. So if you know if you got a spot in your Miami fam that I could come stay <laughs> yeah. for a little bit, I'd be willing. Yeah, to Yeah, good that. luck with that. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Jimmy Butler, we're on the street is he didn't even want to play for. Brett Brown, but again, done deal. He's now down in Miami. Miami, to me, is still the lower seed playoff team to me, even with the acquisition of Butler. But like you guys said, he he makes a good transition down there. I think he'll vibe well with the culture. I mean, I think now it's only appropriate after you talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, you talk about the beloved Boston Celtics, right? When Al Horford was off the floor last year, both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's true shooting percentage fell by over 5%. Kemba stated he signed with the, with the Boston Celtics because he wants to elect complete and fulfill some dreams in his career and wants to lead the young core of Boston. Will Kemba Walker be able to take Boston further than they went with Kyrie Irving? Look, right away, maybe not right away, um, but there is something to be said for what Kemba can bring to Boston. Like, he's a he's a very similar guard to Kyrie, just without all the prima donna-esque moves and that, so, without right. all the pouting. If, if you're looking for someone to build around, like, think when you're building a building, you don't want it on something that's unstable, which is what Kyrie was. He's unpredictable, unstable. Kemba Walker is a guy who you know what you're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit older as well, so maybe a little bit more mature. But uh, I think overall he's a similar player in his play style. And now, without Kyrie being the head case that he is, demanding the ball in the you know waning moments of the game, you can allow guys like Jason Tatum, who we saw without Kyrie, lit up 
the playoffs without Kyrie. And I think it has to be stated that Kemba, for his entire eight-year career, has been on a bad franchise. Hasn't been on a team who's, I think, made, maybe made the playoffs one the time. suck. Yeah, Put them on my sucky twice, franchise the Hornets, made the, the Hornets made the playoffs twice with Kemba. He hasn't, terrible. He's never been in a deep playoff run. So he hasn't been there yet. Jason Tatum did it in his rookie season. So... Uh, if, if, and that's opposed to Kyrie, who in the waiting moments, if Kemba doesn't have it going, I don't think Kemba's the kind of guy to force it like Kyrie would. Like, remember when Kyrie went that awful, like, what, 10 for 22 shooting night? And he got so asked about it, and he said, well, I should have taken... for 22. Right, I should have taken 33 shots. You right. know what I mean? Kemba's not that... If Kemba's going 8 for 22, Kemba might make a good basketball to play, but we saw, like... He dissed it to Jeremy Lamb and hit a Jeremy Lamb hit a couple buzzer beaters last year. Like he is yeah, one to give true. up the ball and give it to Jason Tatum to let him shine. Right, and even if it's not Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown as well. Which it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jalen Brown and really with this entire team. They made some other savvy pickups. Uh, Enos Cantor will probably be their starting center this year, mm-hmm. but overall, I think that he won't be able to lead them further unless they get something else, which Boston has been kind of like New York has been saying for years, oh, we're going to get Blake Griffin. Oh, no, we're, we're going to get AD. We're going to get so-and-so. And they finally landed. No team really knows. No well, really they knows. finally landed uh, Kyrie and Hayward. And how'd that work out? Not very well. Look, uh, that Hayward situation is different. If Hayward doesn't snap his ankle four minutes into right, being a Boston Celtic, we have a much different Gordon Hayward. Now they're stuck with him in that crazy-ass contract, and now he has, has to come off the bench. But going back to Kemba, um, like shorter point guards might decline, you know, better than you know, taller. They're not as durable. You're smaller. Right. They might decline in their careers better than like taller or bigger average right. point guards. Quicker, yeah. yeah, but Kemba's still a very good player, and he fits in the Boston Celtics role a lot. Uh, he shot 37.8 percent off three off screens last season. Boston runs a lot of screens and 1.5 points per possession off of dribble handoffs. Celtics like to run a lot of dribble handoffs and you can do that when you don't have someone like when Enos Cantor isn't demanding the ball down low right. um, and it, when you bring him out, all he's going to be doing is coming, is setting screens and giving dribble handoffs. Kemba might benefit from that. Right, and, and I do think uh, Kemba, I mean we've said it a couple times, that he is just a very great fit, but on the other it was a sign and trade technically. Mm-hmm. So the Celtics sent Terry Rozier back to the Hornets, who then signed him to the tune of, I think, like three years, 60 some million. Something like that. Something like uh, that. Nothing crazy. They need to move that franchise. That team needs to be in Seattle by like two years from I now. don't see them ever moving it as long as Michael Jordan is the owner. Okay, He's from then Charlotte. Get Michael Jordan out of there because he has yeah, no clue luck. what he's good doing. Good luck with that. Well, yeah, like, I, that should I, be very easy if I'm, to move if I'm Michael a Jordan. fan of the Hornets, uh, what the hell is this team doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You let your best player in the last, like, 20 years walk and then bring in the guy at the same position and give him a deal that, like, if you extrapolate Terry's deal out, they only would have had, if you make it to five years, they only would have had to give Kemba, like, $60 million more million, which maybe sounds a lot, but to an NBA franchise, it's not that much over five years, especially considering the difference between Rozier and Kemba Walker. And it's different if they use that 60 mil, that save 60 mil, and we're going out and targeting other free agents to go and help Kem or help Terry Rozier to maybe still make a playoff run, but they didn't. And and look, Michael Jordan is just not that guy to give somebody a super max. What was what was the saying? Kemba said, "I need a super max," and Michael Jordan said, "Super null." Here comes a super cap. That's what I'm saying. Hard say- cap. We're not going I'm, over. That's what I'm saying. Like Michael, he's just <laughs> not that guy. As long as Michael Jordan's there, I don't see them doing it. He's just he's got that type of personality. I, yeah, I guess. 
All I'm saying is I don't want, if I'm the Hornets, um, if I'm a Hornets fan, I don't want the next big free agent we get to be 36-year-old Steph Curry who plays here one year before he retires because he's born here. And they really shot themselves in the foot because you're not bad enough to go get a lottery pick. You're not good enough to attract good free agents. You're going to be stuck in this middle tier for however long now. Which is why they will be in Seattle in short order. Look, if Michael Jordan ever sells that franchise or, you know, moves them to Seattle, then... I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll give you 20 bucks yeah, I or guess something we'll like that. I guess we'll All see. Right, guys, so we just talked about the new signees of free agency. But as for the players that did stay with their teams, that being Clay Thompson, five-year, $190 million max contract. Chris Middleton, five-year, $178 million contract. Damian Lillard, four years, $196 million extension. Jamal Murray, five-year, $170 million extension. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, wow, that's a name. Five-year, $158 million max what was the best deal here? I mean, no doubt about it to me is Porzingis. If, if, I mean, it is a bit of an if, but if he becomes the player that he once was. Off an ACL injury. Off an ACL injury, but he's a behemoth. He is uh, the unicorn. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily need the explosiveness. He did have a little bit of an explosiveness to his game, but he doesn't really even need that to be an all-NBA you player, in my he, opinion. But you know what he does need? Knees. And he's seven feet tall. You blow out a knee when you're seven feet tall. Do you come back the same? Yeah, Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid wasn't a knee, but he's had injuries. There have been big guys who do come back. You need knees. Here, here's a guy who has no explosiveness, has the same similar game. Would he be okay if he went on the same career path as Dirk Nowitzki? Because he plays just about the same game. I would. He's a little bit better off the dribble than Dirk, and he's a little bit faster, a little bit more explosive than Dirk, but and he doesn't shoot as well. Dirk could survive not being that athletic because he had such a shot, and I don't see Porzingis having such a uh, trademark move as Dirk's one-knee step back. If Porzingis had all of right. that, then yes. Well, and the funny thing is that he's now on Dirk's franchise, mm-hmm. and for some part of last year, they had Dirk in with him on the team, teaching him, I'm assuming. Uh, but, I'm sure Dirk will still be back there well, mentoring I'm, him yeah, the right. whole season. to do? But uh, to answer the question, though, I'm going to go with, and I know you're going to disagree with, for the best deal, I'm not going to say player-wise, but team-wise, is I'm going to go with the Nuggets locking up Jamal Murray. Uh, Jamal Murray grew into a very, very good, almost all-star level player in his second year. And if you wait for his rookie contract to run out, that 170 mil, by the time it gets there, I can't imagine what max contracts are going to be three, four years from now when his rookie deal is up. That 170 turns into 250, damn near 300. You lock him in now, and now you don't have to pay him all that money then. And if he doesn't pan out then that runs out by that time, or you end up flipping him in the last one or two years of his contract. Like, that's very good. They keep that same core that got them one game away from the Western Conference Finals last year, and Jamal Murray was at the forefront of that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, it, it comes down to, like, what are they, what else are they supposed to do? I guess they have to give him that contract. Like, you're not going to let Jamal Murray walk. He's a good enough player that you have to keep him. The market kind of dictates that that's what he's going to get. Right. Like, Tobias so, Harris got that same kind of contract. Right, Tobias Harris, same thing. The only, my only problem with Jamal Murray is that he is so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like you said, like, it's a good deal, I guess, because you are right. He's going to get signed to that type deal, and down the line it's going to be even more expensive. But... He's so inconsistent in the playoffs. He would go from lighting it up on the offensive end of the, uh, on the offensive end to then getting totally shut down by like Derek White. 
to me, that cannot happen if you are that type it player. Can't, it can't, but, player. What, but what kind of player could Jamal Burry be? Can he be? And you said it earlier. He he's can a Steph be Curry one. type player. He, Mar- he's, he's our Steph man, Curry our type man Dave Spodaro came on this show and he said what? You don't pay players for what they did. You pay them for what they are and can be. If he can be Steph Curry-esque, you pay him that 5-170 and coach him to be that and allow him to grow. If he made such a leap from rookie year into his second year to being almost an all-star, there are many people around the league that say Jamal Murray is on the cusp of stardom and superstardom lock him in now right let him be part of that young core now you lock down your backcourt right and i mean they do have a really solid backcourt between harris murray and even monte, monte morris, morris coming off the bench too, coming off the bench like they're, they're deep they have mike porter jr which we'll talk about denver in a little bit but uh one thing before we move on the dame lillard supermax extension yeah is like mind-blowing like you talk about a lot of money dame whole lot of dollars four years 196 mil and like I, like he again, it's a situation where he's going to get it. He's all he is. He is Portland basketball. But yeah. oh man, I don't know if I feel good giving Dame Miller that much money. I mean, don't, it, it's like the John Wall thing. Like you, you're locking yourself into that core where I just don't know if that core is going to win you a championship. I mean, it's fun. Jules over there making a smirk at you. Oh, Jules. I know why she's. Jules Jules, why you making a smirk? You know when people start quotes with I don't know. It's just kind of funny that. Get I'm going to start this quote like that because, I don't Get know, him. it's just kind of funny that the first couple episodes we addressed Damian Lillard if he was worthy enough for the contract he now has. And to be straight with you, I was the one. It is funny. I was the one who said he was not worthy enough. And you stood there and said, oh, yeah, he definitely is. Now you're flaking, babe. Now you're jumping back. You're flaking. All right. Um, We're going to move on, though. Obviously, we're still waiting on Kawhi to sign the man, the myth, the legend. But when the dust does settle, when everything is said and done here, and teams gear up for this season, who are the best contenders in the East and Western Conference? What do we think? Uh, The biggest contenders, um, let me stay true to my form, and I'm going to say one of the biggest contenders in the Western Conference, not named the Warriors, um, is the Denver Nuggets, a team who, look, seems to have all the pieces around it. Great head coach, good star player in Jokic, uh, great young players, and it seems like the only thing that they were really missing was that playoff experience. You need to go through it once or twice before you can really get it down and get to the championship, and they had two epic seven-game series last year that gave them that experience. Like, I think the Denver Nuggets are, are primed for maybe a good run right now. Right, and you know what is is everyone, and for me, I'm going to go with the Warriors, but with everyone thinking the Warriors are going to fall back, like, to me, they almost become, like, I'm not even going to call I'm not going to call him a sleeper. I almost did it. Not going to call him a sleeper. But, a sleeper. but I think the Warriors are, like, still the front runner. They still retain value, and they still have Steph Clay and Draymond, who, uh, if we, lest we not forget, Won the most games in an NBA regular season ever. And the year before that, won the championship. Right. So those guys are still proven. And to me, until someone can beat them in the Western Conference Finals, I I just can't look to anyone else and say, like, yeah, you should be the favorites. You should be the ones. And I I get that, but... One, maybe just to change it up a little bit. I want to say that. <laughs> right. I oh, no, no, say, no. I'm just tired of seeing it. So One and think are two different things. You know what I mean? And and the Nuggets can. And also, we got to got to remember, the Nuggets get back Michael Porter Jr., who people like, I, you can't hear enough good things about what he's doing and how he's coming along off of his injury. Uh, like Kyrie Irving, a guy who played 10 games in college and still went a top 10 pick. Um, so they get him back. It's going to be interesting to watch him in Summer League to see how he does. But if he comes back anywhere near the Michael Porter Jr. that was at Missouri, the Nuggets are 
are scary. Like, right. Scary. And that's why they could afford to, and, and not to mention the guy who we talked about last week, Bull Bull, as yeah. well, off the bench. Uh, Monte Morris, who we already mentioned. Like, they are a very deep team. Paul Millsap picks up his Paul, option and yep. comes back, gives them that better impression. They have one they more need. year of Paul Millsap, and that helps with the continuity of the team. Um, they also I, they also still do have another mid level exception to play around with. If they want to go get another player, look don't don't count the Nuggets out for uh for a whole NBA that pretty much bring got, Iggy back. Yeah, look for a whole NBA that got flipped on its head and got turned sideways. The Nuggets stayed steady, and when you stay like, there's something to be said for staying true to yourselves, for not jumping ship, for not trying to move a different a different bunch of pieces a bunch of different pieces around and try to go get it done. The Nuggets did that. Yeah, well we'll see. We'll have to see because in the playoffs it didn't end up they got beat by in my opinion a lesser team uh in the blazers but anything can happen they're going to be a different team as you a said. lesser team why a lesser you, team why, yes. you, why do you call them i a think there's team? more talent as we just talked to yeah. i mean we'll see now with hassan whiteside we mentioned now on the blazers they're going to be getting nurkic back with nurkic they're probably about an even team but they didn't have nurkic when they beat them and they didn't to, have hassan whiteside i hate that i'm doing this but to agree with you when you talk about jamal murray on the defensive side cj mccollum ate boy, oh he ate him ate right boy up boy for breakfast yeah, ate him right on, up. On, the, on the defensive end um, but, like, there's also, you want to mention sleepers. Um, there's some sleepers going out there, uh, too. And my big sleeper team is in the Eastern Conference, and that's the Indiana Pacers, a team who signed and traded for Malcolm Brogdon um, for a first and, and two future second-round picks. They also add T.J. Warren. They add Jeremy Lamb and Victor Oladipo. Spider-Man comes back. Um, they're a really good team. They have one of the best defensive players in the league in the interior, and Miles Turner. And I know you really like DeMontis Sabonis down there, too. Yep. Like, this is a team that without Victor Oladipo, without all those extra pieces, still maintain a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference and gave Boston a hell of a series. Yeah, speaking of that Eastern Conference, uh, I already stated at the top of the show, the Sixers are going to win the Eastern whatever, Conference, dog, people. Whatever, dog. Like, get, get, get used to it. They're going to win the Eastern Conference. But uh, as for my sleeper and someone who we haven't mentioned yet, the Utah Jazz absolutely killed this offseason, in my opinion. They did. Nothing flashy. I mean, they brought in Mike Conley, who's a very good player. Sturdy, sturdy. They also brought in uh, Boj- Bojan, Bo- Bogdan. Bogdan. I always I always get them mixed up. One right. of the, the Indiana Bog- Bogdanovich. Bogdan, it's the guy with the same fr- Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? So, right. I so, so they bring him in uh, and pair him with Ingles in the front court uh, as well as Gobert. I hate Joe Ingles. And, well, and now you have like a really pesky to, uh, forward pair, which really has no business being good in the NBA, yet I mean, somehow... It's funny. It's like the two biggest thorns in people's sides in the playoffs, Bogdan Bogdanovich <laughs> and Joe Ingles, are now on the same team, which if... if like I'm not still a Clippers fan, because I would literally make me... Tre- two people who shouldn't make me tremble, those people would make me tremble. But Utah is good. I just wonder, as long as Donovan Mitchell is your best offensive player, I wonder how deep you can go. Because you talk about inconsistency. That's all that man well, is, but, is a roller coaster in the playoffs, well, up and down. super inefficient when it matters. Like, really inefficient efficient hopefully uh conley can kind of right the ship because a lot of times it would be ricky rubio and you're not going to have ricky rubio being the one who's pulling the strings at the end of games Mm -hmm. you're going to give it to your best player now mike conley can kind of be that best player and even bogdanovich bogdanovich because they're Mitchell had a whole lot of pressure on him on the offensive end last year. You take that off when you have Mike Conley and Bogdanovich in. Bogdanovich averaged .99 points per possession as the ball hander in a pick-and-roll situation. That's better than 86% of the league last year. And Conley is a career, like a career really good deep three-point shooter, like from Mm -hmm. 23, 24, 25 feet, shooting 37.5 for his career. That takes a whole lot of pressure, especially three-point shooting, because that's something that the Utah Jazz, especially their fan base and Quinn 
Snyder, like, really wants Donovan Mitchell to be really good and excel at, and he just doesn't. But no. now he doesn't have to. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We will see. But uh, soft boy Rudy Gobert is still in the middle, all too. This, all this kind of revolves around uh, where Kawhi goes. You know, it'll shake. it'll really shake up the league again as we're recording. Kawhi is not signed yet, so we're, we're just going to have to wait and see. Well, guys, the team I like in the Eastern Conference are the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that people, I think, forget about just because they lost Malcolm Brogdon. They signed a good three-point shooter in Wesley Matthews, uh, having career 38% for the three, and let's not forget that they still have the reigning MVP in Giannis. But uh, there's my piece on that. Now we're going to head it down to the countdown, number five. Five Dodgers were down uh, to their last out and rattled off Five walks to win the game. You against who? Against who? I'm not exactly sure. Diamondback says stat Matt, the all-knower. Uh, that is embarrassing. That is embarrassing. I don't care what level baseball you're on. You can't let that happen. Uh, was Tell me this was the same pitcher, too, because if, if my man's is in there to close out a game and walks two, he needs to be out of there. <laughs> don't let him walk five to win the game. Yeah, very embarrassing. Number four. Number four, the number of players the Lakers still have under contract or only have under contract, A.D., LeBron, Kuzma, and now the one, the only, Jared Dudley, the guy who had Ben Simmons looking. Say it with me, Jake. Say it with me. Shaky, In the baby. second round, baby. Shaky, baby. Right past you in five games, baby. Look, uh, that's all they have under contract. The Lakers still, <laughs> still got to do some things um, to move it. But as we all expect, the Lakers are going to make some moves this right, season. They're the last shoe to drop. Kawhi, we'll see. Number three. Number of consecutive seasons James Harden has led the NBA in win shares. I was saying campaigning harder than probably anyone, even fans of James Harden, fans of the Rockets. When Russell Westbrook won his MVP, that should have been James Harden's MVP. Absolutely. And then this year as well, James Harden, a ridiculous year. Um, just not good enough, obviously, with voter bias. He's been so good now. People don't want to vote for the same guy over and over again, so yeah. they voted for Giannis. But We've talked about this. MVP kind of has become most breakout season. Giannis had the biggest breakout season. You kind of, after Harden has sustained his excellence for the last three seasons you kind of get used to it so it's nice to see which something new which is nasty right yeah so Giannis got it that's my man James Harden down here in Houston we gonna be all right Rockets we gonna be all right number two two is for the number of consecutive women's world cup finals that the U.S. women's national team is in this is just I don't know if you guys have been watching or if anyone out there has been watching it's just a dominant soccer team right now um and they're gonna look to take down the Netherlands uh on Sunday in the world cup final I'm I'm all behind it let's go yeah I love my it. My mom's a huge fan, and she doesn't. She's at work, so she can't watch the game. So she records them and comes around. Don't tell me what happened. Don't tell me what happened. She'll be watching on Sunday. So no, she was watching, and I, I, I walk by, and I'm like, oh, uh, are you going to be able to watch the final game? Like not realizing that that gave it away. So mm -hmm. she was pissed at me yesterday. I'm sorry, mom. Uh, sorry that happened. Here's but. what I do want to say though: a lot of controversy has been coming out with the women's national team going up 13-0 against uh, against what Thailand was it? Mm -hmm. um, and then. Alex Morgan with, you know, sipping the tea and her celebration. Look, if people can't handle getting stomped and then getting celebrated on, don't let her score. USA, keep doing what you're doing. I love Megan Rapinoe, how she's handling it. I love how Joe Ellis is handling it. I love how all the stars are handling it. America has never played nice, and we're not about to start now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, James, I was cracking up over here when you were saying that because I was all over Twitter right after they won their match, and after she did the tea thing, they went on back to the uh, the locker room, and they were, like, party rocking, like, doing their thing, rapping. Like, you got to respect it, though. They keep winning. It's like, why not? Do your thing. All right, now we're bringing it down to number one. Number one, the number of hinky draft picks still 
on the 76ers. The process, Joel Embiid. Uh, James, earlier today, you told me that I look like Sam Hinkie. A little bit. That is the best compliment anyone has ever given me. Uh, I want our fans out there to tell me if I'm wrong that this man looks a little bit like Sam Hinkie. Do I look like a young Sam Hinkie? Please vote yes if you care about me. He thinks it's a compliment. I don't really mean it as a compliment. It's a compliment. (laughs) All right, well, that's all the time we have um, for this episode. And we'll go to At The Buzzer. Julie, have anything to say at The Buzzer? I do. So as you boys know, and many people do know, especially from the Bucks County area, I lost a near and dear friend to me last year. His name was Jake Topley. And uh, this weekend, actually, we're going to celebrate his life down in Sea Isle City for our Can Jam tournament that we do. Uh, this is going to be the second annual uh, Tom, we're doing it. I'm very pumped for it. I'm very pumped to be down there with my friends. I'm really excited for the fourth, and I just want to give a shout-out to Jake Topley. I think I speak for everyone when I say I miss you every single day, and I think everybody really misses you every single day. And keep watching over us, and we are going to Party Rock this weekend. Team Topley forever. Let's get it. Uh, yeah, Jewel, that was really great. And I do have to say, you've been a part of, I mean, in the 12 weeks we've done this show, I think that's like the third or fourth time you've mentioned that you've gone to a fundraising or a charity event for someone close and special to you. I think that's really awesome that you're a part of stuff like that. Um, I'm very sorry for your loss, and I know your friend's looking down on you and all your loved ones. Um, and also killed at that Can Jam tournament for me. But, Jake, got anything to say at the buzzer? Um... Uh, nothing specific, just really, guys, be careful. July 4th, tomorrow, uh, it's a fun holiday, but, you know, people can get a little inebriated. So just be careful out there, have fun, and be safe. Okay. Uh, all I have to say at the buzzer is, do you guys remember last year, last summer, especially in, like, the Philadelphia and suburb area, we had these nasty-ass bugs called lanternflies, mm-hmm. correct? And they, to- they told us that they were going to be extinct for the winter, but then come back even stronger this summer. And I went through this first half of the summer not seeing them. And I was really cool about that. I like that. I was on my back porch the other day, and I noticed that these little, like, polka dot-looking bugs were on all over my all over my back porch. I didn't know what they were. And then I looked them up, and it seems to be the baby stage mm-hmm. of these freaking lanternflies coming back. Nothing makes my skin crawl more than bugs that shouldn't be here. They have knees. They have knees. What bugs <laughs> do you know that have knees? I'm sick and tired of these freaking bugs. If we need to go and spray the entire globe and crop dust the entire globe with pesticides to get rid of these things, I'm about it. Like, I can't I can't Some enjoy... bug them. genocide. Bro, I can't enjoy... It, it, the bee's knees. That's funny. I can't enjoy my back deck with these creatures crawling all around, and it's even worse because they can't even harm me, man. They, they, they can't even bite me. But They're just there. A red polka dot, it looks like something out of a Dr. Seuss book, is crawling all over my back porch, and I literally, I can't do it. It literally makes my skin crawl and my head turn. I don't want to think about it, but it was a great episode. That's all the time we have. Big uh, big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. From our partner, Jewel Smith. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. From my main man's Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up. Straight up.